This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, as we didn't make it to the cinema this week, uh, we thought we'd share an episode from our Patreon where we talk about retro movies and also lots of TV. And this week we chatted about the first three episodes of True Detective season four. Enjoy. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Okay, hi patrons, it's us. And we are here to talk about True Detective Night Country, season four of True Detective. We're going to talk about episodes one to three, which have aired at the time of recording here. Uh, And this is a spoiler special. It's full spoilers. Um, But if you are here and you haven't seen the show, I think go watch it. I think we both highly recommend it. Yeah, go watch it. It's a good watch. It's a good detective show. It's got good supernatural elements. It's got great- Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster's fantastic. It's got great- character moments and good writing and it looks looks grim and cool and it's set in Alaska at night time and it's yeah just go check it out I think if you like any of the sound of those things go watch it and uh, upfront apologies for the very breezy wind you may be hearing it is very windy now let's get into it okay so full spoilers for the first three episodes and we think there's only six episodes which is why we're doing three together now and then we're going to go uh, do the next three together at the end that's right um so let's talk about the plot so i think a uh, very intriguing setup here eight scientists go missing in a sort of the thing sort of situation and uh, shout out to patron joe kiley who uh pointed out that there is a dvd of the thing on the bookshelf yeah. next to the, the <laughs> ferris bueller tv um and i thought the opening here was very very good very um evocative loved i love i love the set i love the set of the scientists place it's very kind of sleek and modern and interesting um and it's a great setup and then that that whole you know there's the little tease of she's here and then that sort of convulsion that, that one guy has yeah that was brilliant it's like kind of mildly horrorish but without being too scary I, I would say it's very horror very much so i think because think of the think of the first end of the first episode when you when they discover those bodies in this frozen in terror that's i guess it's just not that scary horror. which i appreciate I think it's chilling, both literally and metaphorically. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a fantastic setup. Uh, the show's got good sort of cliffhangers, you know, at the end of the first episode, the bodies are discovered. End of the second episode, we discover that one of them is still out there on the yeah, run. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Uh, and then they don't really progress that too much. And then we kind of discover three. by via the vet in episode three that, well, he reckons they actually, they died of terror yeah. before they froze. So good. Where the, the working theory of the police had been that they froze to death. He's like, that's not what you look like if you freeze to death. That's almost like a nice death. 
which I do think for a bunch of detectives working in Alaska, they should probably know the difference between someone who's frozen to death and someone who's clearly experienced some sort of horrific, terrorizing <laughs> event. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was surprised that someone in the police force didn't have that knowledge. Yeah. But I enjoyed that Yvette came in to deliver the news. And I think that's what's so interesting about this setup is that like Alaska is a fascinating setting because logistically it's a nightmare, right? And this is Alaska when it's all nighttime, there's no sunlight. It's a small town there's in Alaska. There's no storms. As well, right? They can't get like access to proper coroners. They don't have access to a proper place with all the bodies out, so they have to use like a an ice rink. <laughs> yeah, it's so a, it's a satellite town, awesome. isn't it? Yeah. And 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 I like. I mean, like any good uh, local detective thing, you've got that sort of tug and pull between you know the big the big town trying to take over the case and Jodie Foster's local sheriff who just wants to keep it and she's got an axe to grind with Christopher Eccleston her yeah. former her former boss slash lover which I, lover. I love I love I love that the, the show just like keeps piling on sort of <laughs> yeah. almost soap opera level sort of character complications but handles it with a sort of a I think a real real deafness but well, uh, the thing is you have Jodie Foster so automatically it's prestige yeah. And then you've got this unbelievable cast around here as well. So at no point does it feel so poppery, albeit like some of those elements like 100% are. But I think the core setting of being in this really impenetrable town in Alaska with all this stuff going on with like the big bad like mining guys. Oh, there's so much going on. To employ 50% of the village yeah. versus people who are protesting against it. But I think that whole background, you've got the indigenous community versus like the white people. It's such a ripe setting. And then that's just like kind of escalating as we go on to become more of the pop but at the beginning it's kind of just like the background to the plot and you've got police corruption with John Hawke's character you know potentially withholding information uh, pertinent to an investigation but to protect the miners and to protect the town and I think that you know, piece of like the when we kind of realise and we realise fairly quickly that the new murders or whatever they are are kind of running parallel with like their old a cold a case, yes. Investigation, yeah. Annie, Annie K. Uh, yeah, and whereby that's when Jodie Foster and who the person who's now her basically co-detective in this case fell out and haven't like worked together since that case because of how yes. it all fell apart. Navarro. Yeah. So we, I love that. We've got this. You know, you've got this little history b between our two lead characters, between Navarro and Danvers. You know, an uneasy alliance. I think there's there's so much. The show is so like ripe with conflict, which I love because mm -hmm. Jodie Foster's character is basically has conflict with everybody I love that she hates everyone in the town they hate her she's also seems she's awful to her stepdaughter she's awful to her she's stepdaughter she's like she seems racist towards the indigenous people yes and then she's like extremely angry when her stepdaughter who is indigenous tries to like um, embrace her own culture yeah and it's really difficult to figure out if oh well, first of all I do think she is racist and then secondly I think I think her her motive of trying to like scrub the markings off her stepdaughter's face and stuff is I think partially that's motivated by fear because she knows that like the evil miners and the white people are like discriminatory towards native people maybe but then yeah. she herself seems really racist so that's incredibly complex and then there's flashbacks and and at one point the stepdaughter tries to talk about something and Jodie Foster cuts her off and I think I think Jodie Foster, when she was married to her dad, I think they had a little boy they together. They did. There's, a, there's, there's implications of a, crash, of a tragedy maybe? between the, the the father and the little boy. Yeah, because yeah, she has yeah. kind of flashbacks. You've all that going on. It like barely touched on. Now I think the daughter kind of came quite prominent in like episode three. So I think that the stepdaughter is going to be well. She's going to become embroiled in the, in the protests. Yeah, 
Um, and then you've got Navarro's plots um, all relate to her sister and yeah. her mother and, um, and a sort of a, a history of family mental health issues. Um, and then her relationship, which is I probably the source of, you know, the show's few and far between comic relief, but her, uh, her sort of, you know, slightly comical relationship with the local... Um, what is he? What is he like? Is he a brewing? He, yeah, it's, he's like he owns a cafe and um, he brews like booze. He's, and he's a but he's a, he's a great place. character, and I love his sort of testy relationship with Navarro. That she's sort of, you know, using him. Um, I love this. So we should say the show is uh, written and directed all six episodes by um, Mexican director Isa Lopez, who I think has done a fantastic job here. And she's and like she's, a literary writer. She's won heaps of awards, and she's co-written and directed every episode of this. And, and I love that she's deliberately put female characters in very traditional male roles. And I don't just mean in, as you know, the uh, sheriff and law enforcement. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the relationship Navarro has with uh, that guy, whose character name I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that smacks of a very sort of traditional male archetype of just yeah. coming in and sort of, you know, using, using somebody for sex whenever they want to. So she's playing, she's playing with the... Uh, with that, I think, really, really effectively. Uh, and then, you know... But then their relationship is moments of sweetness because then she tells him about her mother and, like, her childhood. Yes. But it's kind of done in a way. He's like, tell me something about yourself. And she's like, fuck you. And she walks it's off. It's very transactional. She's so yeah. angry when he asks her and then she comes back and tells him. So I, I think she's also... I mean, we spoke about Jodie Foster, who's naturally going to be fantastic. But uh, Callie Reese is the actress playing uh, Navarro. I think she's so she's good. brilliant. I've I think never she's seen just like She's just a real, like, when she's on screen, she's this bristling with yeah. anger and and just, it's this pent up sort of frustration and rage you just feel like she could explode at any minute but I also think that she's a really tender character when you see her with her sister yes and in the dedication she puts to like looking after trying to look after the local women and particularly the cases that she's been that case that she's been hanging on to for five years because she really wants to figure out who killed this woman yeah and then the other, and I love how they kind of told it through a flashback, whereby it was like a different case that her and Jodie Foster worked on, where there was this man oh, who was yes. like beating up his girlfriend and escalated till when he murdered her, and then Jodie Foster and your one, I think, killed him together. Well, they, you know, we get the unreliable narrator here. So Jodie Danvers is telling um, her sort of protege, Hank Pryor's son, who's also very enjoyable, I think, as a sport character, and has his own stuff going on with his family. I yeah. mean, everyone gets fleshed out. But she's telling him the story of, yes, this final case that her and Navarro worked on. But she says he was dead when we arrived, and we see in the flashback that he was not. Um, which I, my, is my, tantalizing. Love it. I think that yeah. they both pulled the trigger at the same time. It's going to be. I think like that. so too. They're never and, telling anyone what they did. And um, but I think this is also a nice little callback to um, the art, the origins of True Detective in season one, which was that was, you might remember the uh, the sort of framing for the show was you know. Um, it was all told through a flashback in a series of police interviews with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson at later and you also got this unreliable narrator thing where they were telling the police one thing and we were seeing another Um, now we should talk about the relationship between season one and season four so there are a lot of uh, links that people have spotted I think this season uh, and by the way we haven't seen season three um, and we turned off season two um, so I can't speak to any of the I think season crossover there. Two, but we just watched one episode and we were like, absolutely not. I think I got to two and uh, two and episodes. I was like, no. Season three, I have heard actually is really good, but we just we didn't get. I just into haven't it. had a chance. This is just we've come back for this one because it's like a new creator and 
it just felt like a breath of fresh air. But I, I do, he, I have heard that season three is good, so we should go back and watch but it. But season four is apparently referencing season one a lot. Now, I don't remember season one that well. I didn't, I thought the plot was the least interesting part of that show. Um, but uh, the spiral tattoo that um, we, you know, is kind of a, a key plot point on Annie Kay and on the, uh, the missing scientist um, features in season one quite heavily, I think. Um, the, the family, the, you know, the family from season one that was sort of the cult family, I think, are referenced here. And then crucially, one main link that people spotted is that Fiona Shaw, who is barely in it so far, uh, and I expect will play a bigger role, her um, sort of mystery dead lover in the wilderness who guides her towards the bodies. Um, he is apparently, people suspect, is Rusty Cole's father. Uh, so Matthew McConaughey's character in season one references that they lived in Alaska uh, and that he had a, a relationship. But this is set in present day, though. So was uh, True Detective season one. So how one. could he be Matthew McConaughey's father? Uh, because he's much older than Matthew McConaughey, I guess. Uh, I guess maybe he died a long time ago in this show. I don't know. But he looks quite. He could young be twenty to me. years older than Matthew McConaughey in real life. I guess, and he could have died a long time ago in this show. That we don't know. No, like I don't think he died though. that long ago. Why could, would, no, no, it, he didn't say that his father was dead in season one. I don't okay. believe. Anyway, we're Anyway, no, no, distracted. he's got the same name, so okay. it probably is him. <laughs> it's ex, well, it's something cool. But anyway, we need to talk about that the creator of the first season, three seasons has thrown <coughs> unsolicited and unwarranted shade onto this season. Yeah, so shout out to patron Dave O'Neill, who, who uh, put us onto this in the comments. But so Nick, Pu uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, Poloziato uh, is the the original creator of True Detective, is listed as an executive producer on this season, but is not involved. This is very much Issa Rae's it project. It just basically means he probably got a kickback. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so what happened is people on um, the X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, RIP, <laughs> um, uh, people have been, uh, fans, you know, naturally uh, uh, have been like shit posting about this season some people aren't happy about it um i think some of the fans are outraged that there's female leads probably i mean this could there could be a bit of that wrapped up i'm sure people have some legitimate reasons but i'm sure there's also misogyny on x yeah i, th I think um, so yeah and um what's happened is uh he has been replying to a lot of those people <laughs> fueling Why the fire saying uh well don't blame me i've had nothing to do with this uh, and specifically um in reference to somebody uh pointing out a call back to that family who has a link to this place in alaska from season one he wrote back something very rude like uh haha so stupid um uh i can't <laughs> believe they wrote something like that i'm like, paraphrasing what is he doing why um, would you write mean things on X? Now she, so Issa Rae, Issa Lopez, sorry, has a, has respond. Why would you write mean things on X? Wow, that's the whole fundamental <laughs> no, but I mean, basis of like, X now. As a, as a, an actual like oh, I legitimate know, person I know, in the right? public eye and not like a boss. I'm sorry, take the, uh, no, no, but we should <laughs> say he has every right to not like the show. And no, also- You could just say, for reference, I've had nothing to do with this show and I know nothing about a link. Yeah. That's why you could throw some oh, the, extremely light shade the, in a polite way. The other way. shade he, he said was um, somebody asked, you know, oh, uh, somebody said, I, I hope Matthew McConaughey doesn't show up in this because uh, they weren't happy with the season. And then he goes, Matthew wouldn't touch this. Oh, yeah. That, um, see, that's when it's which like, is like, come, come on, man. Like, yeah. get over yourself. Yeah. Um, now, like, so two you, things. You very successfully created three seasons of a TV show. You're now executive on season four. You've nothing to do with it. Like, just, just be the bigger shut man. Shut up. I, um, 
Well, I wouldn't say shut up, but I would say <laughs> he probably pitched a season four that they didn't like and he's probably salty. That's my theory. Well, who knows? So we should say a couple of things. Firstly, he has every right to... Uh, I, th- I can... I totally understand it's a justified p- position to um, be very protective of some work that you've created mm-hmm. and it's difficult to hand it over to someone else. So that's, I think, totally reasonable reaction to have. Um, and it's okay to not like something, but it, I think it is just very poor form and unprofessional to be publicly bad-mouthing something yeah. and tr- taking some sort of position of superiority. And it's incredibly unprofessional. Um, and, and so I, I think it's uh, yeah, incredibly inappropriate. And, and he comes off very badly. I think she's and, done such a brilliant job of Issa Lopez. Well, exactly. Like, of bringing it, life into bringing life into the show creating like one of the reasons we're, we're so interested in it as we mentioned all the characters with such incredible backstories not that much has actually happened in terms of progressing the plot and often in particularly something that's like a detective or a mystery I would find that like um, frustrating when I would be like nothing's actually happened with the plot but in this show I don't mind because there's so much going on there's so much background there's so much interesting characters the area is so interesting so I think actually it's quite phenomenal what she's managed to achieve but then the best part about all this online spat is her response to him yeah so she just took the uh, she took the absolute high ground fair play to her um, I actually have her comments here I can uh, I can read them out uh, so I think she just basically said he's entitled to his opinion should have this ready yeah Sorry. you had them and you've lost them so. <laughs> here we go um, she said I wrote this with um, profound love for the work he made and love for the people that loved it and it is a reinvention and it is different and it's done with the idea of sitting down around the fire and let's have some fun and have some feelings and have some thoughts and anybody that wants to join is welcome she also said i mean so classy so classy fair play um what did she say um she says i believe that every storyteller has a very specific peculiar and unique relation to the stories they create and whatever his reactions are he's entitled to them that's his prerogative love her <laughs> I, mean, I actually love on. her even more you now. can't have a classier response no, you now, and also like you can't dude don't be like firing shots off if you wrote season two of true detective either. <laughs> i mean like come on Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. (laughs) <laughs> um, anyway, what else is to be said about um, so John Hall? Not really in it so far, but so far is the sort of bad guy who is working on I don't behalf. Think he's of a bad guy. He's an. He's a bit of a. Well, it's emerging that he's, he's an been, antagonist for no, Danvers. No, it's emerging that he hit up important information about a murder investigation. He has done very bad things. That is bad. Yes, I agree. And I, I think the kind of impression we're getting, albeit hasn't explicitly been said, is that Jodie Foster probably came in above him when he thought he was going yes. to get a promotion because he's very snarky he's also hiding old case files in his house like it's pretty dodge and then he yeah. smacks his kid across the face like it was so interesting that like their dynamic is so fascinating to watch you know that whole like um, show don't tell because it, it, like Jodie Foster sends his son in to steal files from him that's such a fascinating thing instead yeah. of her just saying I'm the police chief bring me the files because she knew he wouldn't yeah. so the son has to go in and steal them the son's character um, we were laughing because the son is kind of just Jodie Foster rings him all night for no reason like at one point she was ringing him at 4am and we knew as viewers she had no reason to be ringing him she just wants him working all the time 
and he goes to her stop turning Mrs. Robinson my son and I said to Dave that character won't know who Mrs. Robinson is <laughs> and, and he indeed didn't. he said who's Mrs. Robinson <laughs> this is, which, is, which is great the show actually has is quite witty it as well witty, it's, got, yeah. it's got good moments of levity and also I think the other thing to credit it with is a lot of the things that happen are are real tropes. They're just classic tropes. Like a, 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 a John Hawkes' character in the wrong hands is just a, a sort of resentful guy with his nose out of out of whack. Um, but they humanise him a, just a, just enough oh by God, with just, the Russian bride that oh you know God, is going to end a, in disaster. A, he's being he's being catfished. So it makes him a little bit pitiful. Yeah, and he's being catfished. And but she also likes even um, Navarro's character of this like you know just like can't let that that case go and you know just like is, is like that's that's another like classic detective trope which again is I think just just in the wrong hands would come across as cliched or, or too tropey so I, mean, I think she Issa Lopez is she basically got sacked out of being a cop to being like a ranger or whatever because yeah. she was like harassing senior government officials about this case so I love for her that she's able to reinvestigate it again and it is also really scary that like this indigenous woman is just beaten to death and like nothing happened about it and everyone covered it up yeah. and I think that's the really the kind of other like the total underlying plot of this whole thing is like what you know white capitalism will do to an indigenous culture there's just so much going on only three episodes have happened uh i can't wait for the next three episodes and we will be back here to discuss them and i don't even have theories on it to be honest i have no theories on it i just i'm no, just enjoying neither. it unfolding it's not that kind of murder mystery i don't think we have enough to work with we either. don't no. we're just kind of enjoying watching the clues unfold and seeing where we end up i think yeah i hope it has a satisfying ending because season one of true detective was uh was not very tidy but 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 also i think like so often an untidy ending is kind of intriguing but i, I don't know me, i remember walking away from that feeling like oh, okay i, think I the enjoyed the journey element for me would be actually clearing up the original murder of the woman I, i'm less interested maybe in the whatever the terror things happen yeah, to scientists yeah, yeah. i want i want the woman's murder uh, yeah. solved right we'll be back in a couple of weeks to discuss the finale okay see you soon Thanks. oh wait i have a theory what? I have a theory. I just because I was, I, 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 the, she's coming was think, something that was mentioned. I feel like it's the potentially the spirit of Annie Kay who is having her revenge. Because we haven't really guys. mentioned it's been quite mythical. But the yeah. freaky thing is her ex boyfriend, whatever he was involved with her murder or not, he kept her tongue for six years. Like that's disgusting. Well, we don't know that he did that. Well, somebody. But her did tongue it. is there. That yeah. is disgusting. I mean, that's weird. Yeah. The mystical yeah. stuff is fascinating as well. Like even that we mentioned, like casually, there's a ghost in it and stuff. So uh, a lot of it might be hallucina- hallucinations. I don't know. The ghost of Matthew McConaughey's dad. Yeah. Anyway. Who you refuse to believe could be his I dad. I just don't think that the maths ain't mathing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. bye. Bye. Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go?